it happens in an instant. It's not something we, we seek out. It's not something we, we go and, and search to do. Uh, it happens when we least expect it. It happens as uh, we are standing in our driveway washing our car when all of a sudden we see our neighbor pulling down the, uh, the street in his brand new, beautiful new car. It's, it's, if you can imagine, it's like one of those scenes where you're washing your car, you're spraying your car, and all of a sudden you see him pulling down and it's one where your head turns and you just kind of watch as he pulls into his driveway. And as he gets out of the car, you can see into the car and it's got all the bells and whistles. Suddenly, you, you turn back to your car and suddenly your, your Pontiac G5 two-door uh, car that has a broken blinker and the door handle's broken on the passenger side doesn't seem as good. His is better. It happens as you're at the park. It's just been one of those days where the kids just seem to bicker and argue more than usual. And you, you just calm down another argument and you sat down on the bench and you look across the way and they're sitting on the bench across the other side is another mother whose kids are playing nicely. She has a smile on her face. And not that you would trade your kids for the world, but hers are better. It happens just like that. It happens as you're sitting on the couch at night after a long day's work and you're watching TV and it's the last thing you expect to happen, but all of a sudden you see something on TV. Their talent is much better than your abilities. If only you had half of what they could do, your life would be better. And suddenly your talents, your abilities, the gifts that you have, well, they just don't seem as good. We have all experienced comparison. And it happens just like that, doesn't it? It it comes out of nowhere. You don't anticipate it. You don't mean for it to happen. It suddenly just grips your heart. Why do we do it? Why do we compare ourselves to other people? Why do we want the best? Why do we want the better things? It's because deep down inside of us, I believe that each of us want to feel secure. We want to feel contentment. We want to feel confident. And we think that if we have those better things, then I would be more confident and secure in who I am. Am. This may surprise you, but Madonna actually said something about this that we're going to use. And I know it's probably the last thing you ever thought is having a Madonna quote in a sermon. Uh, but this is what she said years ago. She said, My drive in life comes from a fear of being mediocre. That is always pushing me. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being, but then I feel I'm still mediocre and uninteresting unless I do something else. Because even though I've become somebody, I still have to prove that I am somebody. My struggle has never ended, and I guess it never will. What did she just admit? That unless if she does something more and more interesting, unless if she becomes better and better, she's not convinced that she is somebody. Unless if she does something grand gesture, is better than everybody else, she isn't secure and confident in who she is. And she acknowledges that she's living in chains, doesn't she? My struggle has never ended, and I guess it never 
will. We have all experienced those same chains. And that's what we're doing here this morning, right? We're here to learn how the gospel frees us from these chains of comparison. And to do so, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. God, through the Apostle Paul, uh, acknowledges and, and helps us with this this morning. Uh, like I said, the letter to the Corinthians was written by the Apostle Paul around 50 A.D. to the church in Corinth. And on the map, here's Corinth right there. Uh, here's the land of Israel down over here. You've got Judea, you've got Samaria, Nazareth. Sea of Galilee is up here. Uh, Jerusalem is down here. Uh, that's where Israel is. Corinth is way over here. And Corinth was a trade city in 50 AD. It was estimated that there were 650,000 people living in that city uh, at that time. It had two main ports uh, for trading. Italy and Spain from over here came and, and dropped off. And then also Egypt, Asia, and Phoenicia came from the, the east and dropped off in Corinth as well. Uh, and from there, they distributed it out to the known world. And so think about this. You've got people coming from all these different countries, all these different cultures, ethnicities, uh, having all these gifts and talents and abilities. And it's among all this that a Christian church has been formed. And these gifts, these backgrounds of these people, has caused them to compare to each other. Maybe even their culture, maybe their backgrounds. And this comparison has led to factions within the church. There's division. And so in chapter 12, Paul writes to uh, tell them that what they're doing is wrong. But he starts by telling them very, something very important. And this is your first point in your worship folder. He says, we are all equal in God's eyes. We're all equal. Here's what he says. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Paul says, everyone, stop comparing yourselves. Here's what you need to know. You are all one. You're all one in Christ. You're all equal. And that's true for us too, right? We're all equal. Everyone sitting here is equal. And we're equal in two ways. The first way is that we are all equally sinful. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In other words, none of us have lived up to God's expectations of perfection. So we are all equally missing the mark. There's a story of... Uh, a little guy named Timmy. Timmy comes running into the living room one day. Mom! Guess what? What, Timmy? I am eight feet four inches tall. And his mother goes, that doesn't make sense, Timmy. <laughs> what, what are you talking about? And he says, look! And he goes up to the wall and he starts measuring himself with a six-inch ruler and thinking it's a 12-inch ruler. We can be like Timmy sometimes, can't we? We measure ourselves against an imperfect prototype. 
In Timmy's case, he was measuring himself with a 6-inch ruler instead of a 12. What we like to do is measure ourselves up against other people. And so we look around and, and we compare ourselves and we say, well, at least I'm not as bad of a sinner as that person. At least I'm not. Or the flip side, I'm way worse of a sinner than that person. Uh, I am a, a way worse of a sinner. They are holier than me. I, I can't even hang out with them because I'm so bad. When we do that, it's like we're Timmy, comparing ourselves against an imperfect prototype instead of the perfect prototype of Christ. And we can go around. We can play that comparison game if we want. But let me ask you, where does that get us? It doesn't make you any more secure in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe on the surface it does, but when we stop and we think about the deeper implications and and we stop and think about ourselves, we're still left with a question mark if we're comparing ourselves. We are all equally sinful. But... We are all equally saved by Jesus. Paul says, you are all one body. You have all been made part of the body of Christ. He has saved you equally. Saved is saved. There's not, you know, uh, I'm sort of saved, or I'm more saved than them. No, saved is saved. Jesus lived the same perfect life for you that He lived for everybody else. He died the same death for you as He did everyone else. It's equal. He's equally saved you. And Paul says, you've all been baptized in one baptism. And why is that important? Because in baptism, you receive the one Spirit. Who is the one Spirit? The Holy Spirit, right? In baptism, you receive the same God, the Holy Spirit, and He lives in you that lives in everybody else who's been baptized. A couple months ago, uh, Ann and I ran a warrior dash. 5K warrior dash. It was an obstacle race. Uh, And in this particular race, it was all dirt paths that we were running on. And as we're running, uh, it rained all day. And so by the end of, of our run, the paths were just complete, completely filled with mud. We got done, and I had mud on me from head to toe. Mud in my hair, behind my ears, uh, just covered in mud. And I remember getting home, and as I stood in the shower, I watched as all the mud ran off of me and went down the drain. And I got out of that shower, and I was clean. In your baptism... That's what God has done for you. He's given you the Holy Spirit who's worked faith in your heart. And what that does is it washes you clean of all of your sins. All your sins have gone off of you and run down the drain. And when you stand before God, you are clean. There's not somewhat clean, kind of clean. No. If there was mud still on me when I got out of the shower, I'm still dirty, right? Uh, I'm only clean when all the mud was off of me. The same is true with baptism. It doesn't leave any sins behind. You are clean. And that's equal for all of you. For everyone who's been baptized, they are equally clean before God because you all share the same Spirit who works the same faith in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. You are all equal. 
in the eyes of God, equally sinful, but more importantly, equally saved. And this leads us to our second point. If you're following along, the gospel gives us what comparison can't. Why do we compare? It's because we're looking for those three things, right? We're looking for confidence, security, and contentment. That's exactly what the gospel gives you. It gives you security. As Jesus says, you are part of my body. You are part of my body. I have baptized you and brought you into my family. There's nothing more secure than that, than being part of God's family, being called God's child. There's nothing more uh, that gives you confidence than knowing that you are part of Jesus' body and He needs you and has given you gifts to carry out His work. What could be more uh, of a confidence boost than that? And that God wants you part of His body to carry out His work. And the Gospel gives you contentment because you realize that God hasn't just given you something better. He's given you the best. He's given you His only Son so that you can have forgiveness, life, salvation. He's he's made you part of His body and He's given you all the treasures of heaven. There is no better. This is the best. And this is what God has given all of you equally. And yet, we also have differences, don't we? Uh, As we look around, we all have different gifts, we all have different talents and abilities. And, and so, how do we handle this? Yes, we're all equally saved, but we're different still. Well, what we need to realize is that comparison destroys unity. It destroys unity. And that's what Paul continues to say here. He says, Now if the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, There are many parts, but one body. Paul says, don't think just because you don't have the same gifts as someone else that you're not part of the body of Christ. And he uses this brilliant analogy of of a body. And he says, look, how ridiculous would it be for a foot to say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of Christ's body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. It's part of the body regardless. And the same is true with us. Just because we don't have the same gifts and abilities as someone else, it doesn't mean that we're not part of His body. In fact, if we are mourning and upset because we don't have somebody else's gifts and abilities, uh, we're actually doing more harm to the body. How so? Well, if I am constantly mourning and upset about uh, what I don't have and mourning and, and uh, wanting what they have, I'm not excelling in my gifts. I'm not making full use of the gifts that God has given me. 
And so I'm hurting the body. God has made you unique. He's given you your own gifts and your own abilities that are unique to you. How many of you have heard of strength finders? Raise your hand. Yeah, strength finders uh, is a book and it's also a website. And uh, they, they say that every person has 34 strengths. But really only their top five they really excel at. Everyone can do all of them, but uh, after the top five, your success at the rest of them are less and less. You have to work harder to be successful at them. Uh, so I've, I've done strength finders. My top five are uh, Includer, Woo, Futuristic, Communication, and Activator. After that, the strengths start decreasing for me. <laughs> now here's the crazy part. There are only 34 strengths. And yet the chances of somebody having the same top five as you, one in 300,000 people. The chances that somebody has the same five as you in the same order, one in 11,400,000 people. And the chances of somebody having all 34 uh, the same as you in a row, the chances of that is greater than winning the lottery. God has made you unique. He has given you your own gifts, your own talents. He's put you in your place in life with your physical blessings and it's unique to you. And it's to carry out His gospel work. Paul continues, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. Just because we have gifts and abilities that other people don't have, we can't say to them, I don't need you. We can't look at other people and say, well, your gifts are lesser than mine, quote-unquote lesser than mine. I don't need you. No. We need other people. We need their gifts, their abilities that God has given them out of grace, especially within the body of Christ. As we go to carry out the gospel work, one person can't do it. We need everybody's gifts, talents, and abilities to reach others with Jesus. We can't say, I don't need you. That would be like the hand saying to the foot, I don't need you. And that would be ridiculous. Comparison destroys unity. But what destroys comparison is equality in Christ. That's what we're taking home today. Equality in Christ. Uh, and Paul finishes this out as well. Here's what he says. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And there's one more verse that goes with it, and it says, You are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. You are the body of Christ. Christ, and each one is part of it. We are all the body of Christ. It's all equal. 
We're all part of Him. And it doesn't matter if we're a foot, a hand, an eye, an ear, and what our abilities are. We are equal in Christ. Take a second and think of uh, what, what. Take a second and think of uh, what you th- would say is the most important body part that you have. Did anyone pick the eyelash? No. Weird. <laughs> the eyelashes. What their job is to protect the eye. And if it wasn't for eyelashes, uh, dirt, dust. Other particles would get into our eye, cause infections, and we wouldn't be able to see. There's no part of the body that is greater than the others. Every single part of the body is needed. And God has given you your own unique gifts and abilities. And we are equal in Christ. Sins forgiven, baptized into His body, with all our unique gifts and abilities. So this week, what are we going to do? We're going to first thank God for the gifts that He's given us. As you sit down and you make a list of all the gifts that God has given you, the the list is greater than you could ever imagine. As you think of your gifts, your talents, physical blessings, spiritual blessings, uh, the gifts He's given to you are incredible. So we're going to thank Him for those. We're going to thank Him, our second thing, we're going to thank Him for other people's gifts and abilities, what God has given them. And thirdly, we are going to give thanks for the gifts that He has equally given to all of us. The fact that He has died for us, lived for us, rose for us. Uh, the fact that He's given us faith, He's baptized us, brought us into His family, washed us clean, and we stand clean in the eyes of God. That's what we're going to give thanks for this week. May God be with you as you carry out His work this week and you make use of the gifts that He has given you. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank You for the gifts that You have given us. We ask that You help us to be faithful with them this week. And as we give thanks and go out to live and work to Your praise and glory. Amen.